IT was mostly prepared and then we had the remote capabilities as part of our BC and DR plans, um, but we hadn't practiced with the bulk of our staff. So there was a lot of change to have to be absorbed very quickly. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and you're listening to Status Go. Over the next three weeks, we'll be doing something a little bit different. Back in May, InterVision hosted a panel discussion with four IT leaders titled, Four CIOs Get Real About the Future of COVID-19 and IT. And just like the title says, it was real talk about how the pandemic is affecting our teams and our organizations. The conversation resonated so well and was so popular, we've broken it down into three digestible podcast episodes. I'd like to introduce you to our four panelists. Fleming Ming, CIO at Human Good. Mandy Huth, Vice President of Cybersecurity at Kohler. Mike Heinlein, CIO at Indiana Public Retirement System. Mark Grimsey, Vice President of IT at Robert Half. In this episode, you'll hear our panelists talk about how things played out, both from a personal and professional standpoint, when COVID began to hit the U.S. hard back in March and April. Listen now as they tell you what went well and what went not so well. Welcome to our live CIO panel. Today I am joined by four outstanding IT leaders. Together we are going to talk about the impacts of COVID-19 on the future of IT. What's changed and what's what hasn't. Now panelists, before we dive into our first question, I want to ask you, how are you? On a, on a scale of one to 10, uh, one being, hey, you're not so well, and 10 being you're, you, you couldn't be better, how are you doing with this situation? So Fleming, on a scale of one to 10, how are you, my friend? Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to meet everybody virtually. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Fleming. I'm the CIO of the Human Good, and I'm doing all right. And so uh, thank you, uh, Jeff. You know, the whole family, of studies at home, each of us, we takes one corner of the house, and I think everybody may be the same situation. So my team is also uh, very committed. I was very lucky, and uh, many of my team members, they need to uh, physically work in the community every day. So uh, we use internal social media to uh, stay connected. Uh, I was able to virtually interact with uh, uh, many uh, typically, I, I, I do not talk with. So, really, I would say this COVID-19 really changed the way we work, we live, and we study for sure for some of our kids. members. On a scale of 1 to 10, I will give it 9. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Thank, thank you, Fleming. Mark, how about you? Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I think that overall, I would give myself a 9 and my family a 9. I think we're doing very well in the... Uh, time away from work uh, physically, but not virtually. Um, I think that uh, everybody's putting in their time, but yeah, I, I would give myself a nine. I think we're doing really well. Outstanding. Mike, how about you? Well, good afternoon to everyone. I just wanted to point out 
we uh, we're probably an eight for me, my family. We've got a prime COVID target in our household. My 87 year old mother in law, who just had surgery right before the COVID incident started, so we've pretty much been quarantined. Uh, so I've adapted to work from home pretty well. Ordered a new chair for lumbar support a few weeks ago. My big problem is I'm an eye on the disc, so I miss all the people to people. All right, thanks, Mike. And, and Mandy, coming live to us from an airport somewhere. How are you doing? The airport is my home today. Um, I'm, you know, it's really funny. I consider myself an optimist more than anything, and I am a high eye like Mike, so very extroverted. I'm actually going to give myself a seven. Um, you know, I've gone through some ups and downs. Truly, I've I've been able to focus. Um, really well on my eating and my nutrition and exercise. So that's really been great for me, but I do miss the person to person interaction. And one of the things that I think I'm struggling most with is because relationships are so important to me, I'm really trying to make sure my employees don't get burnout because of that flexibility. They're working a lot more in really odd hours and they're really adjusting. And so you know, I want to make sure their well-being is first and foremost, and, and that weighs on me sometimes. So, you know, I'm doing well. I, I can't. I really can't complain. Um, anything I can complain about is a first-world problem. So, um, looking forward to getting back to to some physical contact, though. Thank you, Mandy. All right. Before we get to the future, I, I want to get in our in our time machine, our way back machine, and I want to travel back to the first couple weeks of March. I think it's important for our audience to understand what was your initial response? So I, I'd like to do a round robin. Describe your initial response. How prepared were you? How prepared was your organization for this mass work from home? And Mark, we're going to start with you on this. Thanks, Jeff. So I would say I've been uh, at home since March 2nd, so a little bit earlier than some people. And um, I, I think that it gave me a little bit of time to get kind of settled into a pattern. So I think we were, or I was well prepared because I had, had a home office already set up. I would say that um, me being home a little early gave a, a warning shot to my team to start to get ready. And so that was, that was kind of nice. And I appreciated them taking that note and then uh, them starting to get their home offices all set up. I would say then immediately after that, as we started to notice that it would be a mass exit, um, I would say that the company overall was fairly well prepared, although you never are, um, we, you, you never test your BCP plan kind of in this realm. So I would say the first thing that we noticed is that our, our VPN was not prepared to have 18,000 people working from home. So that was probably first on our list to get fixed. And then once when uh, we got that fixed within the first three days of, of the exit, I would say that we were and have been uh, working really well since then. So I would say other than that, it's been pretty good. Excellent. So, so just a quick follow-up before we move on. What were those first three days like, uh, Mark, when, you didn't, when your VPN wasn't at the capacity you needed? How did you, how did you manage that? So I think we, we managed it pretty well because uh, I pulled off a lot of the corporate people off of the VPN and, and tried to get them to um, not connect and just use the direct connection 
of their home internet to the cloud and not to go in and use the on-premise activities. So that was probably the initial thing. But having uh, daily calls with the CEO on the status of of your interconnections and talking through the VPM technologies to the executive staff was not the most fun time. Uh, yeah, I, I bet not. Mike, what were your first couple of weeks like? Well, Jeff, Impers as a quasi-governor entity didn't even have an official work from home policy. So other than IT staff and a handful of staff that were already geographically remote around the state, we had to deal with very limited experience. IT was mostly prepared and then we had the remote capabilities as part of our BC and DR plans, um, but we hadn't practiced with the bulk of our staff. Um, so there was a lot of change to have to be absorbed very quickly. I'm proud of the organization and especially my IT staff as we moved 250 people to full remote work in four days. That's really small compared to some of the other numbers of folks I know on the call. But for us, it seemed astronomical when many of these people had never even thought about working from home. Um, and included in that, we had to move two calls, two small call centers. So bringing the voice technologies out was some work. And other than having a few people that had piloted Microsoft Teams, we were just starting to play with it. We were really early into collaboration. So we shoved the entire organization into the deep end of the pool and adopted Teams effectively over about 48 hours. Excellent, excellent. So Mandy, what about Kohler? How, how was your first couple of weeks? Um, you know, it's really interesting. Similar to Mark, we, we had some VPN issues because that's how everyone knew how to connect. Right. And so what I will give real credit to is the response of our vendors and our partners. Um, I can't tell you how many people reached out and said, whatever you need, right? We will use your utility model and we will open it up and, and figure out what you need and then we'll figure it out. So I was really pleased with our partner responses to our needs. Um, similar to Mark, we got our VPN fixed in 48 hours max, right? And it was it was really useful. And we were already on our journey, and you know we we are a global organization, and we have a huge footprint in China. So we were a little bit ahead of the game, probably, um, maybe not across all of our populations, certainly in IT and um, some of our other pockets. Excellent, thanks. And, and Fleming, how about your first couple of weeks with Human Good? Because our business is a uh, skilled nursing, as you can imagine, it's uh, it's really a kind of uh, impact and also very sensitive to our customers who are the residents. Uh, so I, I remember, you know, I started to work from home from March uh, uh, 10th and uh, one week after Mark. And that day, because I drove from Southern California all the way to Northern California to uh, to pick up my son, then uh, came back home. Uh, then since then, I've been at home almost for. Uh, let me rewind back to when the media start to talk about all this. I feel like, mm, yeah, you know what? Quite far away from from me, and uh, until January twenty sixth, I remember this because it was a Sunday. In the morning, I thought the news there was a positive COVID nineteen case uh, in my area. Then I realized it was you know real. But February, I think it's business as usual. Still travel, nobody even you know talk about this too much. And uh, until March, I think uh, we realized it's real, right? It's a uh, we start to lock down our communities and uh, stay at home. So from 
work from home perspective, you know, I was lucky uh, because the challenge is not that much because we have about 5,000 uh, associates and they need to work in the communities you know, to serve our customers. And in the corporate office, we have about 300 people. And before the COVID-19, regardless, already 50, half of the people, 50% already work from home. So the challenge was not that much. We have some VPN challenges as well, but uh, as many said, we received the great support from our vendors, and uh, we also expanded our metrics uh, farm. So we quickly, basically, supported 100% work from home for our corporate uh, uh, office staff. So, yeah, it's a uh, before the COVID-19. Luckily, we we built some we we try to build some strong foundations like security, infrastructure redundancy, and the, you know monitoring cloud first to mobile first all these kind of things digital collaboration we, we use a mix of zoom and the microsoft office 365 uh, suite so so basically i think it, all the preparation before that beautifully supported the increasing uh, work from home uh, demand i think there's one other thing i know we kind of mentioned um the business continuity plans one thing that Kohler did really well um in that in that initial response is not only did they execute on that, but we were communicating to our people on like at least a twice weekly basis. I mean, across our entire population. And that visibility, I think to help calm, maybe, maybe I, I feel like it was a little bit, sure it was a disruption, but it was so much calmer. We had a video out by our CEO within two days, right? And so, you know, even though that wasn't specifically called out that over communicate, in our in our incident management, you know, response, it, that team was just phenomenal in pulling that together, and I think that also really helped uh, to Fleming's point, you know, to to get to get associates aligned to where we needed to go and and why we were choosing the things we were choosing. Thanks for adding that in, Mandy, because that brings up a, a another question I'd love love to throw back to the group, and and that is. I'm assuming in your organizations, you had an ITDR plan, you had a business continuity plan. Um, who of you had a global pandemic as a situation to address with either your ITDR or your, your BC plan? Just, just curious. Uh, Mike, how about you? We had the basics. I don't even think it was called pandemic, but it was the concept of not being able to occupy the building. Um, so we know in our next iteration or generations of those plans, it will be much more specific. Um, but I think we had a grounding in it. Um, but I will tell you that, no, we weren't as prepared as as we would want to be. In Of course, that's hindsight, right? It's nice yeah. to be able to look back and go, gee, I wish I'd have been better at that. Yeah, no kidding. Any of the others, did you did you have that concept uh, envisioned in your plan? I think that we um, didn't have that specific uh, scenario. Uh, living here in um, California, we had the obvious earthquake issue um, and we were planned for that, but that's thinking that it's more of a widespread issue and that everybody at first is gonna be worried about kind of protecting their home and their family and then they'd get to work. And so having this concept of it being almost in a slow motion view of where daily things came out about, uh, you know, Washington, state of Washington having some issues 
and then um, eventually it came out that the Bay Area, that all the counties got together and did a did a lockdown on that. And so I think it was kind of um, almost surreal in that it was kind of the slow roll. And so it kind of crept up on a lot of people, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Fleming or Mandy, um, anything in your plan related to a, a pandemic or an extended uh, out of the office situation like this? Yeah, for my company, it's a, it's a from the office perspective, corporate office perspective, it's not a, a real challenge because over the years we already moved the majority of our uh, systems to the cloud as a cloud first strategy. So that's minimum. But from business continuity perspective, it's uh, you know, our business, uh, as you can imagine, it's uh, there's no real business uh, continuity plan, but even before the state or the federal uh, request all the skilled nursing facilities to lock down, actually, two weeks before that, we decided to lock down our community to minimize the interruption. So that was somehow like a, a kind of round of uh, business continuity. So luckily, with all the efforts we took, the business is not uh, heavily impacted, I would say. Good. Yeah, we didn't necessarily at Kohler have a scenario for pandemic, but again, we have some, we, because we're a global company, we do think about a lot of our scenarios and what that infrastructure means. But, you know, truly a lot of those things were pocketed around our critical applications and making sure that that data was secure. So I feel like that was good, but we hadn't thought about as much as we would have loved that collaboration tools were a global thing, that wasn't necessarily called out as, you know, can you handle 18,000 employees on your VPN at once? Um, so. Yeah, I, I think a lot of companies, they, they might've had something about, they, they can't get to their offices, but I don't know that anybody envisioned, we can't get to our offices for two months or three months. Uh, that uh, caught everybody by surprise, I think. So let's fast forward just a little bit. It it sounds like your companies were able to respond uh, very well at the at the beginning of this. But let's move forward to April and May as, as we've settled into this new normal. What actions did you take? How did things change? Mandy, I would love to start with you from your security perspective, especially. Um, yeah. How have you done in this, these last two months? What things have you been doing to settle things down? It's a great question, Jeff. And and I've got to, I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I'll, I'll try to hit some highlights. As I mentioned, we have a large contingent in China. And, you know, we all know that China and latency go hand in hand oftentimes. And so, you know, we were dealing with China back in January and because they weren't in their offices, we had to find a solution. So we really leveraged Microsoft and um, uh, the virtual desktop infrastructure. So we were able to leverage Microsoft's backbone and, and it worked really well. So we, we were fortunate. We got to do some exhibition games, if you will, prior to prime time. Um, the biggest challenge, and this was certainly part of the road bump was educating people that not everybody needed to request a VPN license and that some people could use the internet, some people could use VPN, some people could use VDI. And we had a prioritized order for them. From a security perspective, I was like, 
go VDI, right? Um, really, really happy that that's the best one. And I did a lot of education and putting things together to saying, you know, I know that uh, our lives have changed dramatically, but you have to be careful if you're letting your children borrow your laptop. What are they downloading? Um, from a network perspective, please tell me your router has uh, a password on it, right? So some really basic at-home fundamentals in case they were um, directly accessing the internet versus something like a VDI and, and just making sure that their, their systems are staying up to date. Hopefully people on this call have um, the ability to, to push patching through the internet. Not, it's not always possible, but certainly something um, you should you should look to implement and if not now as soon as you can um, because I think this is something that that's probably not short term so our new normal includes that VDI similar to others our adoption rate went off the roof right so with VDI interestingly enough we had like a three-year roadmap to try to get people to start leveraging it within the span of one month we are one of Microsoft's top 10 VDI users globally. Um, so we did a really good job of educating, really pushing adoption, allowing, allowing people to, to fail, right? It's okay. And I think the biggest thing, we could talk IT and security all day, but what I really found was we came together as people and we said, you know what, it's okay. It's okay if your daughter ends up in your lap because we know that's real and we know that your dog might bark and it, it really has given us some flexibility, but we, we've taken a little bit of, we've added in a little personal and I think it's going to make our business better. So. Yeah, I, I think in some ways, Mandy, uh, one of the fascinating things that I've found with the whole work from home and using uh, WebEx to communicate it, is uh, we, we have connected on a far more personal level because of those things, because we, we have a window into people's homes. We're seeing their kids, we're seeing their spouses, we're hearing their dogs bark. So uh, right. I, I absolutely love that point. So thank you for that. Um, how about uh, other panelists? What were the, what, what have been those next two months? And how, what have they been like for you? Jeff, I can jump in this mic. Uh, Imper's made the move to remote very quickly compared to some of our governmental peers. Uh, we had to adapt on the fly because we didn't have that work from home. Of course, we had a certain percentage of our people that did have laptops, um, but many of our staff did not. So some staff started using personal equipment. So we suddenly went from no BYOD policy to a you know BYOD remoting into their work desktops. We had others who didn't have that capability, so we had them you know unplugging and carting their work desktop home to help support them. Surprisingly, out of about 250, we only had three or four that didn't even have broadband connectivity. So we didn't have a huge number of that, but we've already told HR that's a new requirement. When we hire somebody in, we're gonna ask them from now on, that's sort of a minimum requirement uh, to help support our business continuity plan. But over the first two weeks, we adjusted the BYOD folks that were remoting VPNing into their work machines to a Windows virtual desktop solution. I, you know, what Mandy talked about, we had been asking our partner within the state uh, technology division to move to VDI for like two years. And they were piloting, they were testing. Um, they got there, like you said, having a partner that gets their act together. We suddenly within two weeks had, uh, we took 40% of our people to a Windows virtual desktop 
solution, which definitely improved our security posture. So we did the quick and dirty, got them out, and then within a two-week period, got them into a, a better position. Um, and as Mandy said, people were accepting of try it, see what it, how it works. If it doesn't work, let us know. We'll adjust. And we did those kind of things. Um, we also had things like, you know, people, as they went out the door, they took a laptop, but did they even think about grabbing an external monitor? You know, all of a sudden they're, oh, wait a minute, you want me to work from this little screen? Because as people went out the door, they were thinking this was a few days, a week, two weeks. When it suddenly started to loom that this could be several months, there was some adjusting we had to do. And even little things that we didn't even think about is, I've got a, a major portion of our folks that are in the uh, more open concept where we've got the arms on their desk with the monitors mounted. Well, we threw away all the stands. So we only had a certain number of stands in the closet. So all of a sudden it's okay, somebody needs a monitor to go home. So we started scavenging from our training rooms and other locations where we had monitors with stands and had to deal with that. So we know that's one of the things when we come back that that's probably going to be us sorting out that mess, maybe a little challenge when we come back. But um, so anyway, so that's the type of thing we we had to to deal with. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. The, the thinking of let's let's put our monitors on on mounted on the desk, and then you don't have the stands. That's something that man, I don't know that anybody could have really thought through that. The other the interesting thing that that you brought up. Mike, was the requirement of uh, having employees have broadband access and uh, what that means for the future. So maybe when we get to the future uh, part of this discussion, we can we can circle back to that. Mark or Fleming, what were what were your April and May like for your companies? So I'm sorry, I'll start. Um, I, I think we're noticing the nature of the work changing. Um, we went from kind of firefighting, getting ready, you know, getting everybody ready to work to now, what is um, the, the steady state? One of the things that has changed is that because of our nature of our business, a lot of companies aren't prepared to support their temporaries, who might be Robert Half employees, uh, working remotely. So we had a prepare and um, IT is now supporting a number of thousands of candidates out there who are working for your companies and others uh, remotely. And, uh, you know, a company um, may not be prepared to have a laptop ready to go for a temporary. So we have the ability to deliver those laptops. We also have the ability if the, if the temporary has a laptop, we can deliver a VDI solution. Um, either in Amazon or Azure, so that they can use um, and connect to you, to a company's infrastructure securely. So they don't have to use their own personal laptop as a connection. They just use that as a as essentially the um, the screen that that points at a VDI that then goes into into a either a financial institution or a state institution. So we we're, we're doing a lot of work on that. So it's actually gotten um, IT more and more in front of the revenue stream, which is really great. I would say the other thing that we noticed is that people um, are more accepting of change. Um, and, and Mandy and, and Mike both mentioned this. Um, we had a four or five month plan to migrate people to Teams in which we did that in three weeks and we got all 18,000 people switched over to Teams in very, very quickly. And I think that's part of if you think about change management, and we all do change management as part of our jobs, 
Um, one is to, to make sure that there is a reason for that change and that people um, will want to make that change. Well, there was a burning platform. They couldn't use the old technology as well. And so they were willing and accepting of that change to migrate to that. So I, I think that there's a number of things like that. So now we're trying to figure out how can we put that magic in a bottle and use that for other changes that we might be able to move move quickly on. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Fleming, how about how about you for human good? What's been your April and May? Yeah, I have to admit that April and May, this two months has been very, very long two months. It's a, simply because you stay at home. And every day the cadence is almost the same, right? We start the day from eight o'clock every day at eight o'clock. It's a, we call a daily crisis management meeting with CEO, COO, myself, a few other executives and the business leaders together on the call to update what's going on and what should we do and what is the situation, how we should handle. And uh, that's one thing. That's why I feel like the days are very, as I even cannot remember what days today and uh, and then we'll, we do this during the weekend as well. But lots of very committed people. And uh, I, I think one topic is maybe all the uh, business, all the companies are doing the same because uh, all the business are impacted by the COVID-19 and whatever revenue or profits and most start to initiate some cost saving initiatives. So no doubt like uh, all the IT projects, the majority of the IT projects were put on hold and to save uh, save the money. But there are also some positive things. And one is, uh, you know, I, I remember in the beginning, uh, the business folks, uh, they uh, use an Excel sheet to track the quarantine, you know, just like the Johns Hopkins uh, dashboard, how many um, positives, how many recoveries, you know, how many deaths and uh, how many people received the test. So it was not very, uh, are user friendly. So after one week, I said, well, we're going to build it in our business intelligence system. So, you know, after that, you know, we always start our day with reviewing this, uh, the, the business intelligence uh, uh, dashboard. You know, this system now is the most visited system in the company and everybody love it because they, they visit, they get insights and they take action. So, so we just like uh, the experience Mark Mandy uh, mentioned about uh, the change management. So suddenly, like a business intelligence uh, became a very powerful like a platform or system to help to manage the business. Okay, so that's one positive thing. The other positive thing I would say is uh, is the uniqueness of, of our business because we not only need to use all the digital technologies to take care of our uh, associates, staff, but also we need to take care of our customers. They live in our communities with the lockdown. They want to talk to their family members. They want to talk to their uh, friends. They want to talk to others. So we implement some, uh, technologies to help them to stay connected with uh, their families, friends, and uh, the other customers, and have some virtual events so that uh, they can uh, feel like they're not lonely. And uh, also uh, rolled out an app to all the uh, customers so that they can app to to order things and to ask for support. 
And uh, the other thing is similar to uh, Mark, where you talk about the, the, the Microsoft the Teams the deployment, we have very similar experience. We have been, you know, driving for digital transformation, but was a little bit slow, but with uh, this COVID-19, it's became like it became the catalyst of the rapid adoption of all the technologies. So that's that's my experience at uh, Human Good. Jeff, this is Mike. I had one thing I was going to mention. The I think there's a common theme in here that maybe I've been doing this long enough is, as I've seen other crises, none at this level. It always felt like we didn't quite have the technology platforms to support our businesses, but I don't hear that this time. When we talk about having VPN and partners that can roll out double capacity, and we had a similar issue the same way, um, and do it in a matter of days or a week, uh, or the idea of deploying all new collaboration tools. I think in this case, one of the things that's worked to IT's favor, which helps our businesses is, the tech was pretty much there. We had just had slower adoption. Um, so in this case, it actually, in some ways, that's, you know, don't look a, a good a crisis in the, in the face, so to speak. That's allowed us to accelerate that organizational change and get these things in towards more, more of a digital platform. So it's just an observation that I was thinking about as we were chatting. I'm going to jump in, Jeff. I know we want to move to to return to work, but I think it's really important based on what Meng said and what Mike said. Meng said that you know a lot of organizations have had IT spending cuts, and we certainly had to delay some things. But this quiet period, and I and I urge the people on the call to think about this and to take what Mike said is this is an opportunity for IT to show that with the right level of investment. And and culture change, this is a perfect example of driving adoption really quickly. And we have the opportunity right now in this quiet period, as we start to slowly return to work, we still have a couple of weeks, maybe three or four, um, as, you know, and certainly maybe two months before we're back full, depending on your organization. We can actually take that and use that quiet time to use technology to enable our business. So Kohler is doubling down. We certainly delayed a whole bunch of things, but we doubled down on digital because we know that the way, for example, users are going to shop for Kohler is going to be more and more digital now because of their adoption, because they had to be at home for two months. So the way that they shop is going to change. So we're doubling down and we're spending those cycles and, you know, um, and taking that, I'll say, quieter time to really drive that. So we haven't really slowed down at all. So just something for people that are attending to think about. This is this is like our gold mine. Next time you get pushed back, you say, do you remember what happened when? And look what we could do if, and driving that risk-taking mentality. Just tonight, and that coming from a security person, really. <laughs> Where's this Mandy and when did you get her? I don't understand this. <laughs> So before we turn to uh, the return to office, before we turn our attention to the future, I've got a follow-up question for you related to kind of this middle uh, period. How did you guys handle the, the differences in bandwidth requirements for various workers? I'm thinking like engineers who all of a sudden are working from home and need, need heavy bandwidth or, or other types of employees. Did you, differentiate or do you differentiate based on those types of requirements in your in your work from home scenarios 
So I'll start with this. Um, uh, this is Mark. What we did was we looked at, and essentially we have different VPN profiles for different types of individuals. So a finance person might have a more inclusive uh, VPN, meaning more of the applications go through our data center and have more of the, the channels and less of a split tunnel activity. Whereas someone out in, um, in the engineering function, theirs is less so going to our data center and more going to the development environment, which for a lot of people happens to be in AWS or at Salesforce or ServiceNow, a lot of the cloud providers. Um, but for, let's say, our people out in the field doing staffing and, and finding clients and candidates, they're having a different type of profile, which essentially allows only the telephone, because we happen to have an on-prem phone system, uh, back through our data center, but everything else is through the cloud. So we didn't necessarily work on the bandwidth capabilities, although we are now targeting people. We're looking and seeing who has weak Wi-Fi and reaching out with them and saying, gee, maybe you should upgrade your router to a 5G router uh, for Wi-Fi or whatever. Uh, but we are having different profiles around VPN for different work styles. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. Any, anybody else kind of dividing up the infrastructure, so to speak, for based on uh, uh, demand loads? Jeff, this is Mike. We're, we're a small organization, so it really didn't come up much. I've got a few heavier weight users, uh, actuaries, for example, that love to move damn near terabytes of data at a time, it seems like. Um, but by virtual desktop and putting them into their, I mean, I've got a, in essence, it's like a desktop server that they've got sitting on their desk where they can do a lot of their work. They were just remoting into those devices and and be able to utilize the infrastructure from the office. So we ended up fighting more of, as Mark mentioned, is somebody sitting there and they've got three teenage kids and two of them working from home and they're using their Comcast or whatever modem. Um, and somebody in the midst of a virtual, a video call wants to start streaming to Netflix videos. You know, so it's educating people sort of like Mandy was talking about, I think, earlier. So um, it's more of that that we've had to deal with. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening. You can get more information in the show notes at intervision.com. Stay tuned for segments two and three in the upcoming weeks. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.